Thank you, Unchained. They did a good job. Uh, we have a couple of instrumentalists out. Um, Louise did a good job with the piano, with the hymns, but the instrumentalists did well without a piano, without a drummer. Jody Fails in the hospital. He, um, he had some heart issues, sort of had a, a spell, and he's been in the hospital the last few days. I think they're going to be doing some tests in the next couple of days. So you can pray for Jody. His brother Cody is also having some heart issues and is going to be seeing the heart doctor real soon. So keep in mind those two two brothers and then so many others that have needs. It's amazing how many things are taking place right now. One of the things that's been taking place over the the last week or so is the leaked opinion regarding Roe versus Wade. If you don't know about it, it's probably because you hadn't watched the news uh, because it has been prevalent in the news. And there are a lot of people that are upset that there's a possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, of course, a lot of us are happy that that's the possibility. Uh, President Biden made a statement. I agree with part of the statement that he made. It had to do with the leaked court opinion. And he expressed the importance of the November election. And I agree with that, that the November election is very important. This is what he said. <clears throat> If the court does overturn, overturn Roe, it will fall on our nation's elected officials at all levels of government to protect a woman's right to choose, he said. And it will fall on voters to elect pro-choice officials this November. At the federal level, we will need more pro-choice senators and a pro-choice majority in the House to adopt legislation that codifies Roe, which I will work to pass and sign into law. Again, I agree with him that, that it's important, this election is important. But my perspective, it's important for us to elect those who are pro-life. We, we've had since Roe versus Wade, my understanding is that over 63 million babies have been aborted. It's hard to even imagine. Uh, my perspective, and I think most of you would agree with me, is that conception, it, it's, it's when life begins, at conception. Uh, logically speaking, there's no other time. I know that, that uh, my grandson, my first grandson, Elijah, whom you see every once in a while here, uh, he was born about three months earlier or so, and he was two pounds, ten ounces. And uh, if you see him running around now, jumping off the stage and other things of that nature, uh, you can tell that, that being born that early uh, didn't hurt him that much. He's a, he's a growing boy. And, and I think that, that if you have the attitude that, that you can abort a baby until, uh, until the birth, which is the perspective that many have in, in Congress, and even some have the perspective that you can abort that baby after birth, it, it, is, it is just, from my perspective, uh, it, it's not what God would want. Uh, again, I believe that, that birth, uh, that conception is when a, a life begins and that we need to protect the lives of the babies uh, that have been aborted and so on. Well, let, let's pray about that uh, as well as the fails and so on. Lord, as we come before you and consider Roe versus Wade, the possibility of it being overturned and being sent back to the states, uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll give wisdom to the Supreme Court justices. I pray that you will give us wisdom as well and, uh, and other leaders in in, in government and, and churches and so on. Help us to do what we can to protect the life of babies. We believe that you create life and that life is precious to you. 
And Lord, we, we pray that, that we might do what we can. And we pray that you'll work in a special way and make abortion more and more rare in days to come. Lord, we, we also pray for Jody as he uh, is going through tests. We just pray that you'll help him to do better very soon. Cody as well and others that are in the hospital, others that are facing uh, problems physically or uh, those who have lost loved ones lately. We, we just pray for each one and, and, and do pray that you'll bless during this service as we consider the life of Mary, one mother's journey. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think after we talk about Mary for a few minutes, many of you mothers as well as others will be able to identify with her because there, there are four different feelings, four, four different perspectives that she had, at least four, uh, during biblical times. And the first one is wonder. Uh, when, when in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel came to her, Luke chapter 1, and beginning to read, at verse number 26, it says the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. If that happened to you, what would you be thinking? When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary responded by saying, how can this be since I don't know a man? I'm not married. The angel answered and said to her, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Notice verse 37. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wouldn't your response be wonder if something like that happened? An angel came and pronounced that you were going to have a baby, a miraculous birth. Uh, she, she did have that kind of wonder. And she also praised God. You know, when we see what God does, we need to praise him. Verse, verses 46 to 49, same chapter. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Can you think of some things that God has done for you? One would be the blessing of birth. Now going through birth is difficult for, for women. It's difficult for men too sometimes because the women are irritable when they're going through that. But I could get in trouble for saying that, so let's strike that from the testimony. Now, it's, it's difficult going through the process, but the joy after birth is great, is it not? That is one of the things that we can praise God for as we consider 
the wonder of birth. And of course, Mary went through that in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Very familiar portion of scripture. We normally read it in December. Came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The miracle of birth. Uh, something that is a wonder and something that we need to praise God for. You know, Mary thought about these different things. When the shepherds went to Jerusalem, from Beth, went to Bethlehem from the fields, and they found the baby in a manger and worshipped him and so on, uh, they went their way and they told others about Jesus and praised him. But verse number 19 of chapter 2 of Luke says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So she praised God. She pondered the different things that were going on. I'm sure in Matthew chapter 2 when the wise men showed up uh, and gave gifts of, of gold and frankincense and, and myrrh, she pondered that as well. She was wondering what in the world was going on. But her attitude was one of submission to God. We see that back in Luke chapter 1 where she says in, in verse number 33, I think it is. I better look at that and make sure. 38, Luke 1, 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, when we think about the wonder of what God has done, the wonder of childbirth, the wonder of him working miraculously on our behalf, is that our attitude? One of praise, one of pondering, but also a perspective of surrender, a willingness to say, God, whatever you want is what I want. That should be our attitude. Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 24, basically said, Oh, fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider the great things he's done for you. As we think about the things God has done for us, shouldn't we have respect for him and be willing to serve him and live for him and obey him? That was the attitude of Mary after Gabriel's announcement in Jesus' birth. She was grateful for what God had done and she was willing to be used by God in any way. So number one, her perspective was one of wonder. And as you think about your life, I'm sure there's some areas in which you have that perspective. But her second perspective was very common as well. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 50. Luke chapter 2, beginning to read at verse number 41. Jesus is about 12 years old at this time. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old... They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. 
But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. In other words, they were worried. Jesus' response, he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statements which he spoke to them. Can you imagine that situation where they, they trusted Jesus? They, he was 12 years old, but he was an old 12 years old, so to speak. And uh, they figured he was with them. Went a day's journey, and then they couldn't find him. They went back to Jerusalem. After three days, they finally found him. And when they found him, he was talking to the religious leaders. He was asking questions, answering questions. He was talking about God's law. And they said, why did you do this to you? Mary said, why did you do this to us? Uh, didn't you know that, that we would be seeking you anxiously? Uh, they were worried. Have you ever been worried? Have you ever been worried about your children? I remember one time, it was, it was me, I caused my mom to worry. I know that you can't believe that, that I would cause my mom to worry. But apparently I was down at Santee and had been playing hard all day long. Took a nap on the dock on a, a beach chair type thing. The beach chair was old and worn out. And, and so it sort of sunk down. And mom was looking for me. And she was calling me. I think it was nighttime. And she, she, I didn't answer. I was, I was sound asleep. And she called and looked everywhere. And then she came to the conclusion, after worrying for a little while, she came to the conclusion that I'd probably drown. And she had peace. She turned it over to the Lord, so to speak. But finally I woke up. I guess somebody came on the dock and kicked the chair or something. I don't know what happened. Um, but I woke up. She was concerned for a while, but she found peace from God when she trusted God. Isn't that the truth? We tend to worry. When we think about our children, when we think about life, when we think about finances, when we think about health and whatever other issues come our way, we tend to worry about them. But do we need to worry? Not according to God's word. According to God's word, Jesus said in Matthew 6, three times, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And why not worry? Because we're trusting in God. We figure that he's got things under control. Now my grandmother... She would say, no, it's, it's a sin to worry, but, but, but you, you need to be concerned. And there, there, there are times that you need to be concerned. There, there are times that, that you need to use common sense. Uh, it's good not to worry about your kids, but it's probably good not to let them play in the street all the time, especially if there are a lot of cars on the street. Uh, we, we do you need to use common sense, and, and, and there are times that we need to express our concern. But we don't need to worry because we know that God is in control. And Jesus' response to his mother Mary was, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Didn't you know that I would be doing what God wants me to do and that God would work things out? Can you identify with Mary in regard to the wonder that she experienced, but also the worry that she had? 
As we go toward the end of Jesus' life and ministry, she also experienced heartache. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Verses 25 to 27. The Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know, but it tells us what we need to know. And when it comes to Jesus and Mary during the time of his crucifixion, it says, There stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary was a very common name back then. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he, uh, he, whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. In other words, what Jesus was doing at that time was basically making sure that his mother would be taken care of by the apostle John. The implication, though, is that Mary the mother of Jesus, was there when Jesus was being crucified. She probably knew about his scourging, his walk with the cross all the way up to Golgotha, and then his being nailed to the cross. She saw it all happen. Wouldn't that be a heartache to see that happen? Wouldn't that be difficult? I wonder if it reminded her of what she was told in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, there was a gentleman named Simeon that was in the temple. And God had promised him that he would see the Lord's anointed, that he would see the Messiah. And he praised God for what was happening when he saw the baby Jesus. But then in verses 4 and 35, after Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were said, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I wonder early on what she thought that meant. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. It could be that it was at the cross she recognized what Simeon was talking about and how hard it was to go through watching her son die a horrible death on the cross. You know, I believe that many of us can identify with Mary's heartache. It could be the loss of one of our children. It could be a rebellious child one on drugs or one in prison. It could be an illness. It could be a, a family situation. All of us go through difficult times. And sometimes we experience heartache just like Mary did. I was reading through the Sunday school lesson this morning from Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and I thought verses 3 and 4 were appropriate. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. They were growing in faith and in love. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. 
You know, sometimes we go through persecutions. Sometimes we go through afflictions. We go through hard times. And as I look around, I as a pastor have opportunity to pray with a lot of you when you go through difficult times. Isn't it good to know that in the midst of heartache that God is still with us, that he is still there, and that he gives us hope? Because that's the next thing that Mary, we can identify with Mary about, is hope. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. We've been looking in Acts the last couple of weeks or so. But in Acts chapter 1, uh, and beginning in verse number 12, it says, They returned to Jerusalem after the ascension of Jesus from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all but, Je- all but Judas Iscariot. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And then notice this. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It's interesting, the, the brothers of Jesus didn't really believe in him until after the resurrection. But after the resurrection, there were with the, the crowd that were in the upper room. And what they were doing with the apostles and with the women, with Mary, with Jesus' brothers, they were praying. They were making supplication. Jesus had just been raised from the dead. Jesus had just ascended to heaven. And Jesus had just promised that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would be coming soon. And because of that, Mary had hope. And she had gone through a tough time. That heartache was real. It was difficult. And if you've ever lost a, a child, you, you know a lot better than I do what, what that pain is. But she, she had hope because of the power of God. Because Jesus was raised again from the, by the power of God. Jesus ascended to heaven because of the power of God. The Holy Spirit was coming in power and to give power to the Christians. She had hope. You know, we can have hope as well. Sometimes we get discouraged when we look at circumstances around us and we think it's never going to get better. And I wonder if Mary had that perspective the day that Jesus was crucified, the day that Jesus was buried. But several days later, When Jesus rose again, when he ascended, she had hope, assurance that God was in control. I'm going to finish up at Romans chapter 8. Very familiar portion of scripture. Romans 8, 28 is a verse we use a lot. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that true? That God works things together for good. We can have that assurance. We might not understand We might not necessarily agree with what God does or what he allows in our lives. But we can have confidence that all things work together for good if we love God and we're called according to his purpose. The next verse indicates that sometimes what he does through the circumstances that we face is he helps us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in, in verse number 29, For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, sometimes our circumstances, if we respond rightly, help us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It goes on to talk about God's love. Uh, Eric talked about that as well. You know, as I think about a mother's love, a mother loves her children greatly. It's a reflection of God's love for us, agape love. God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and we know that nothing can separate us from his love. In fact, verse number 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God let Jesus die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can have everlasting life, isn't he going to do what is best for us? It goes on to say in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Verse 37, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why can we have hope? Well, we can have hope because we know that God is powerful. Power of the resurrection. He is able to raise from the dead. He's able to do anything he wants to. He created heavens and earth. We can, we can turn to him and trust in him for his work, for his help. He's our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. But also his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, we can have hope indeed. Isn't it good to know that we can have hope in the midst of heartache? Well, we could probably identify with Mary, even if we're not a mother, in regard to the wonder that we feel as we see the birth of a baby or we see God work in a special way. We, we can identify probably in regard to worrying when things aren't going too well for, for us or for our family, for our children especially. We can identify with Mary in regard to her heartache when difficult things come along. And I think we can identify with Mary in regard to her hope because she trusted in God. And isn't that exactly what we need to do as well? Thinking about God's power, thinking about his love, we can depend on him. We might not understand. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 2 when, when, when it was the story of Jesus at 12 years old staying in the temple, says that Mary didn't understand these things. A lot of times we don't understand, but we still have hope in God because we know that he loves us. We know that he works things together for good. You know, I don't know where you are in your life, some of you might be going through a time of wonder. Some of you might be going through a time of worry. Some of you might be going through a time of heartache. But the good news is we can always hope in God. We can always trust in him. Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. I think that's key. As we think about God's love, as we think about God's power, are we trusting in him no matter what's coming along? We should be praising him. Uh, we should be having a perspective of surrender. We should be willing for him to do whatever he wants to in our lives. 
But we need to have hope in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, for the example of Mary. She went through a lot. And I'm sure that at the beginning, there was a lot of wonder. There, were, there, was, a, there was a lot of, of praise and adoration because of what she was going through. But then as time went on, she went through some difficult times, worrying about her 12-year-old, and, and then seeing her son, Jesus Christ, die on the cross. Lord, I thank you that it didn't stop there. That the crucifixion was not where it ended. But that instead Jesus rose again. Ascended to heaven. Sent the Holy Spirit. And we can all have peace and love and joy. We can all walk in newness of life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My prayer, Lord, is that each one of us might make sure we've trusted Christ as Savior. Turning from our sin. And depending on the one who died on the cross. And my prayer, Lord, is that each one of us might walk in newness of life as we trust and obey. Lord, I pray that you will work in our hearts and lives. Help us as we go on our way in days to come. To seek to have a biblical perspective. To, to as we go through the challenges and the exciting times of life. To trust you. To obey you. And to praise you. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.